Hey, hey, good morning, Lincoln. How you doing? Welcome to How's It Growing, your weekly gardening connection right here at KZUM Lincoln. Well, I just had peppers and tomatoes on my mind this morning, so why not break out Ralph McTell's song off of his CD, Sand in Your Shoes, Peppers and Tomatoes. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Hope you were listening to the words. Heck of a songwriter, that Ralph McTell. It's been a long time. Used to have a music show back in the day here on KZUM, and uh, every once in a while I'd break out that Peppers and Tomatoes. Well, now, of course, gardening show, man, you got to have Peppers and Tomatoes, and I think what made me think of it was actually harvesting some Peppers and Tomatoes yesterday, and uh, man, uh, tomatoes coming on. Hopefully yours are finally turning for you. This heat kind of slows that down after you get above a certain temperature. We'll talk to our guest about that. Von Hammond is on the show today. He's going to be calling in here. Oh, any time now. And uh, looking forward to Vaughn coming on the show. Vaughn is now with uh, Vallis Pumpkin Patch and Orchard. And uh, always a great conversation with Vaughn. Inspiring conversation to get you to think about more about growing your own food right in your backyard. And I think Ralph McTell's song was kind of like... Uh, you know, his father before him and his father before him and his father before him grew his own food and shared that food. And that's what it's going to have to be, people, is all of us sharing in the bounty. Uh, and uh, that's why I appreciate Holly's Hamlet so much. You know, one one group say, well, we'll take care of the squash and the beans and the corn. We'll do the three sisters. And then another group said, oh, we'll grow peppers and tomatoes over here. And everybody shares. Wouldn't that be a fun community effort? Ah, yes, and it is happening in Lincoln, thanks to places like Holly's Hamlet and places like Community Crops, bringing it all together. Community Crops Feast on the Farm coming up in a couple of weeks. You can go to communitycrops.org to get tickets. Uh, Tickets still available for that, their main fundraiser event to support that great nonprofit right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. You could do that and join in the fun out on the Feast on the Farm in a couple of weeks. Okie dokie. Let's see uh, what's new on the horizon here. Well, other than aren't you sick of this no rain business? Come on, man. Nothing really in the forecast other than kind of depressing. And, uh, you know, mid-90s, mid-90s, near 100 on the weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. Same old song and dance. So we're not going to dwell too much on that, but hopefully you have your vegetable garden mulched. And uh, hopefully I'm going to talk about that with our guest as well and see what they do there at Vala's Pumpkin Patch. Do they mulch things? And if not, how often do they have to water? Man, because that just gets annoying, doesn't it? You water once and turn around two days later, you're watering again. But that's what it takes. Some of these vegetables are water pigs. But uh, I tell you what, um, mulch is key. Getting mulch down uh, around your plants Um I haven't had to water tomato plants very much, uh, but I do admit I've had to water them here in the last uh, three weeks. And uh, yeah, but I have probably around a foot of leaves at their base too. So walking around there and your bare feet is kind of nice, feeling those nice soft leaves as you're harvesting those tomatoes and those peppers. Peppers coming on strong as well. Eggplant coming on strong, loving this heat. And one thing I learned is uh, those darn Japanese beetles they really love okra. Man, they, they hit those leaves hard, but the okra just kind of shrugged its shoulders and said, grew on past it, and uh, now getting lots of new growth. Flowers coming on strong. It's okra season 
here in August. That's for show. And on into September, that's when the ochre just goes crazy. Loves the heat, of course, as long as it has water. And I wouldn't call it a water hog, but man, if you've never grown okra, put that on your wish list of easy to grow things. You'll be glad you did. Don't let okra dish you've had in the past judge be a judge of your okra. <laughs> I think the best way of okra is harvesting them small, little one-inch guys, one and a half inch maybe at the most. Cut them in half, cut the little butt end off, and uh, saute them up or stir fry. Man, they're so good. And something about okra with onions and peppers and eggplant and tomatoes. Ah, they're just all, they, they just all say hello together when you put them in a dish and you get more veggies in your diet, and that's a good thing, right? We all want that in life, that's for sure. All right, well, uh, Vaughn is not calling in yet. Uh, hopefully he didn't space it off or something came up with him. I'll try to uh, text him here if I can while I'm talking on the phone. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, you, you've chewed, you chewed gum and walked at the same time. Well, on this live radio, we can do both. So anyway... Uh, yeah, here, uh, coming up this fall, there are some things coming up. One of the things we're going to be doing again this fall is the Arboretum plant sales. We have plant sales on UNL East Campus, and that is uh, usually every Friday, but our first sale is starting, uh, gosh, a week from Friday already, and that is the uh, annual move-in sale that we're calling it. It's, uh, you know, the students are coming back. UNL starts classes, I believe, a week from Monday already, and uh, LPS getting started. Uh, yeah, so we shall see about the upcoming school year to see, uh, you know, what's going on there and, you know, uh, how hot it's still going to be. Are we going to be getting any rain? You know, it kind of, that that moisture kind of limits me and my enthusiasm for uh planting anything i don't know about you you know you should we should we should all be preparing for our fall garden right now and one thing i did this year was let our lettuce plants kind of do their thing and let them bolt and uh, if you've no cutting lettuce the leaf lettuce they'll eventually get kind of bitter too bitter to harvest in the spring but then that what they ultimately do is bolt and what they're doing is shooting up a stalk that stalk will have uh, tipped in these tiny little yellow flowers and then those flowers form uh, little fuzzy seed pods or seed balls if you will and if you pluck those off there's lettuce seed at the end of that little fuzzy thing so basically i'm just uh, as those come up oh they're about two to three feet tall now and just cut those off and i put them in a brown paper bag and uh and then let them dry in that bag and as they dry you know that fuzz kind of falls away and then i can kind of get my hands in there and kind of work it between the palms of my hands and the seeds fall free and you're able to kind of just use a fan or you can blow that that fine chafe away from the seed um so yeah it works really slick and uh that way you save your own seed and because sowing lettuce usually for me um that starts oh gosh usually around late august um maybe earlier depends um um you know yeah, it just depends on, on the weather, right? So all you got to do is kind of look at that 10-day forecast, that two-week forecast, and see is there a break coming, which, by the way, I didn't do to see is is there a break in sight because there's really no rain uh, heading our way for the next three or four days, so I quit looking. 
It is what it is, right? <laughs> and now is the time of year where you should be out there in the garden doing preventative medicine. One of the things, uh, you know, July and August bring to us is lots of weeds, right? And if you're not out pulling those weeds, if you're just, uh, you know, leaving them be, uh, they're creating seed for next year and lots of it. And uh, the main thing for me is getting rid of that seed head, getting rid of the, the seeds so there's no new babies while I'm battling the old ones, right? And so preventative medicine is huge in getting weed control, especially since a lot of our weeds are annual weeds. And, uh, of course, you take get rid of the seed, they're not going to be around next year because you got rid of the seed. Now, of course, there's a seed base in your soil, seed that probably won't even germinate for next year that was last year's seed, right? Or five years ago or 10 years ago, depending on if you're stirring up that soil or not. So that seed bank is huge and uh, reducing it, getting some plants in the weeds way because weeds like to grow in open ground. Uh, that's where you'll tend to see more of those annual weeds doing their thing is in open ground. And uh, if you, what I mean by that is they're able to get plenty of sunlight and if you crowd out that open ground by planting more things, then weed control becomes much less for you. So crowd those plants together as much as you can. And where you don't have them crowded together, provide some mulch to keep the weed seed from germinating. And uh, a lot of the weed seeds, your foxtail, crabgrass, oh man, lots of them um, uh, enjoy light to germinate. Literally, they're sitting on top of the ground and germinating with the next rainfall or heavy dew or something like that. All they need is that light. And if you've taken away that light from them, you're not going to get the same. You'll get a few peeking through here and there, I'm sure. But you won't have the, uh, you know, the intense crop of a uh, foxtail or a crabgrass or something like that. So anyway, that's a good thing to do. And then back to peppers and tomatoes. Um, you know, what I usually do with the peppers is uh, you can leave them open, not stake them and whatnot, but uh, I got part shades, so they tend to get a little leggy on me. If I, you know, if I had wall-to-wall -wall sunshine, they'd be stocky and more beefy, right? But since I have part shade, maybe six, seven hours of sun at the most, um, I would say staking them is a good thing, and I just use uh, tomato cages for the peppers and don't use the tomato cages for tomatoes because they're too wimpy for the tomatoes, but you can buy those cheap old tomato cages at your hardware store and use them for peppers and eggplant. They work slick for that because peppers very rarely get above three feet. If you have a pepper above three feet, man, you're doing good. And that often, that, that, that certainly can happen, right? But anyway, um, staking those is critical. And I think it, it, especially when they get heavy with fruit and they want to fall over on you, this prevents that from happening. And then you can let that fruit uh, go from green to, to red or orange or yellow or whatever uh, pepper you decided to grow. And just remember, the more you harvest that pepper, it's going to put on new flowers. So if you're waiting for them to turn color, oftentimes what I do, um, because they're not going to turn as color as fast in the summer months, but more like in the fall, but now I'll harvest them green and uh, just keep harvesting them because new flowers will come on even in the heat and uh, form new peppers so th those you can let turn color as the fall approaches because they will as the day gets, days get shorter and the days are indeed getting shorter. So listen to old Ken Dewey on another radio program and he was talking about by the end of, let's see, from uh, the longest day of the year, the end of June, June 21, till uh, the end of August, we will lose a whole hour 
of sunlight, and which is kind of depressing, right, to even mention. But hey, it's the days are getting shorter. I'm sure you're noticing it uh, when you get up in the morning. It's still kind of dark out. Or uh, trying to work late in the garden and it gets dark too early. Kind of that nine o'clock breaking point, right? Yeah, it's happening. It's that time of year where we got to just kind of suck it up, right? Well, anyway, back to tomatoes. Um, tomatoes uh, in the heat, um, certainly I'm getting them on. Uh, they're not doing a whole lot of, uh, you know, the, the tomatoes aren't getting very much bigger unless you do have some consistent water with them. But now they're just kind of hanging on mode. And uh, anytime you get above, well, 90 degrees, um, the maturing process of that tomato is lessened, so it's or, or greatened, I should say, where it's going to take longer for that tomato to reach maturity because of the heat, because again, it's going into survival mode rather than pushing energy into that tomato. Um, I'll, I'll give you a tomato, but your tomato is going to be smaller and it's going to take longer to uh, uh, turn red for you, right? So, just know it's you're doing nothing wrong. You just got to have patience, right? <laughs> Whereas peppers, they seem to really kind of thrive on that heat, and uh, they'll keep doing their thing as long as they get good moisture. And uh, so right now our pepper plants are probably sitting in around four inches of straw mulch, I would say. So when I do water, uh, that, that water stays put rather than evaporating away uh, with no water at all. And with the nice uh, two-and-a-half, three-foot pepper plants, man, they can, they can start rocking and rolling now, and I'll probably even put on another layer of straw uh, one to two inches, um, and, and do it that way as well. So, so yeah, um, with fall gardening, uh, approaching, you know, there's right now you can be kind of still doing your one crop, uh, for more or less fall harvest, but you're, you're summer lovers. You can still do bush beans. You could still do zucchini. You can still do yellow squash. There's still plenty of time for that. Still plenty of time for carrots. You could do kohlrabi. Um, man, uh, you know, you could be thinking about soon. I would say turnips, maybe give it another couple, three weeks uh, around the, the, the latter part of August because um, they, they can take those cool temperatures and not bat an eye. And then the latter part of August, September, that's when I'm planting my lettuce, spinach, uh, you know, cool season crops, maybe another line of kale, some arugula, uh, things like that. Man, they, they love that fall cool fall weather and uh man i just hope we get some rain that'll kind of give me a little bounce in my step to get out there and do something in the garden all right you're listening to how's it growing right here on kzum 474-5086 i think my guest vaughn spaced off coming on the program today we shall see if i can get him on the horn uh maybe i'll just go ahead and uh, take a quick break here and during the break, I'll give Vaughn a call and see if he is tied up or if he's going to be able to make the show today. Until then, you are listening to How's It Growing right here on KZUM Lincoln. Thanks for tuning in today. If you have a question or comment, 474-5086 is the number to call. Love to hear from you. All right. I'll see you in just a bit. Oh, a little Steve Earle to bring you to the second half of How's It Growing I was able to see Steve Earle last week here in town. Man, what a great show. Missed him way back, way back in the 80s when he played at the drumstick. Not this time, so we had a great time. 
and let's hear some great music with Steve Earle and the Dukes last, gosh, what was that, Thursday? Blah, it's all a blur. All right, welcome back to the program. This is How's It Growing every Wednesday, 11 till noon, right here on KZUM Lincoln. I'm Bob H. with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, and during the break there, we got our guest on. Vaughn was running behind. Vaughn, how you doing? Doing good. Sorry, we were shooting a video and had to do a little bit of a second take, believe it or not. Oh, so. man. Yeah, right. Uh, take two. Well, it, in live radio, we have no takes, buddy, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Poor guy. Exactly. Were you, you kind of like watching your phone going, ah, okay, you guys, I got to go, man. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, boy. So... Well, well, thanks for taking the time, Vaughn, to come on the show today. Hey, folks, this is Vaughn Hammond with Vallas Pumpkin Patch. Now, what was the video you were doing? Are the news stations coming out already going, going hey, man, uh, what's going on <laughs> or what? Well, well, you, you know, we got lots of stuff going on out here this year, but it happens to be we were uh, videotaping to, to, uh, for the new grand expose of uh, the very first uh, animated um display that they had here about 25 years ago is when they did it and we had it redone this year and uh so we were just doing a video shoot of uh some of the stuff that's taking place to get that thing up and going cool yeah you guys yeah. always got something cooking there at valas and a great website by the way too i'm checking out the website here kind of scrolling down in it and uh you know von uh basically you have kind of like events kind of highlighted there right like uh i'm seeing right let's see friday august 4th and 5th well that's already passed we can't do that but the uh september 2nd opening festival day what does that mean uh that day if i recall is our basically our apple festival that weekend wow and so we will have uh our Gala apples and our Honeycrisp apples open or available, I should say, ready. And uh, that is on a portion of the farm that is going to be open for the first time this year. So it's uh, really a a huge deal for us. Uh, Our new side of production facility is going to be open and a new barbecue joint and uh, a couple other new attractions uh, are all going to be part of that first weekend that we're open so labor day weekend so we're pretty excited about that not excited about the fact that it's only about three weeks away right (laughs) isn't that weird to say i mean come on did did you just say that right uh yeah it always seems so distant back in june and then all of a sudden okay then uh here we go Uh, let's do this yeah let's do this right yeah absolutely absolutely yikes well, hey, Vaughn, I got a, a caller on the other line. Caller, are you there? Yes. Hi, hey. Bob. This hey. is Andrea Foss. Well, hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Yeah. What's going on with you? Well, I was calling because um, we've got a couple herbalists presenting at the Pioneers Park Nature Center this weekend and wanted to see if uh could spread the word about an herbal festival. Cool. Uh, herbs for your health. So, yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, that uh, where can folks go to, to learn more information about this cool event? They can go to uh, lincoln.ne.gov and search for Herbal Festival or the Pioneers Park Nature Center. Um, you can also just call the front desk and uh, 402-441-7895 and sign up. Uh, but, yeah, Alex 
uh, Svoboda from Arise Botanicals is going to do a tincture making class. Awesome. And uh, Eric Smith with Herbs and More is doing uh, herbs drying. So just kind of what to do with your the things you've been growing in your garden. Good work. <laughs> Good work. I'm glad you guys putting that together. And yeah, uh, Alex would be a great uh, resource for everybody. So thanks for calling and letting us know about it, Andrea. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yes, thank you for putting on a great show and have a great day. All right. Thanks so much. And thank you for listening. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Do your rain dance, would you? Yeah, everybody needs to do the rain dance, right, Vaughn? I, oh, I, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it daily, you know. And I, I, I won't even, you know, share some of our top secret, you know, rituals that we're actually doing for that rain dance. So um, it's pretty. Oh, this is in house. Pretty, pretty uh, in house yeah. only. <laughs> That's great. yes, yes, exactly. That's exactly. Fun. Hey, Vaughn, uh, another thing I'm seeing on the uh, Vallis Pumpkin Patch uh, and website is uh, Ag Talks Live. So um, I just see, is there just one video or do you do have a number of those? What is that Ag Talks Live? Tell our listeners about Ag, that. Ag Talks Live is a little ditty that I do every Thursday at 2 o'clock. It's kind of pretty much off the cuff, which I, you know, pull off fairly well but uh we're just each week we talk about a different aspect of the agriculture that we have going on here and keep people up to date like the progress of the apple crop the progress of the pumpkins uh last two weeks ago we shared the herd of deer that we have here uh that's john deers we got about 14 old <laughs> 4020s and we had our mechanic talk about those that we used to pull the hay racks around and and transport people and uh just a, a little bit of something each week, and I try to make it educational. You know, we talk about the flowers and the flower parts and pollination and uh, rootstock for apples and uh, all it takes to all the processes that it takes to uh, get a decent apple for for consumption and, and all those good things. And we've been doing that for about three years. I probably got 40 or 50 of them in the can. Wow, so, uh, too cool. If you're bored some night, Bob, just go through those and you can get your Vaughn fix. Do I have to to get your Vaughn fix? Do I have to go through Instagram or is it available on Facebook? Nope, nope, just YouTube. Just, just, just YouTube? go on the just go on to the Valas website or okay. or Valas Facebook page and just go to videos and Ag Talk Live has its own little folder in there and sweet. You can go back through the uh, historical videos at this point so what you're saying is if i'm new and i'm talking to you folks if i'm new to uh orchard crops or apples pears pump pump whatever uh they can go and find these archived videos when you're talking about right here's what here's what you need to do to prune your apples right you're are you getting that specific a little bit a little bit they're only about 10 minutes so we talk about that a little bit Mm -hmm. um this year we actually opened up some hives and talked about you know bees a little bit and just you you know me bob i got a lot of stuff up in my brain that i can share and and we try to uh take full advantage of that here so um if it's related to ag and related to horticulture we try to uh and we do it here we try to uh 
put those in Facebook Live or, or yeah, Facebook Live, the Ag Talks. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a cool service you provide. And I, I'd be remiss without talking to you a little bit more about your, your cider. Um, so tell us a little bit more about that. So you have a new area that, and you have your own cider press. Yes, yeah. So we we uh, we have our own cider press. So uh, we have about forty acres of apples here. So we do both sweet cider and hard cider. Cool. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Actually, hard cider has come on quite strong this year. We're going to have about twenty eight thousand gallons of hard cider. What? And about eighteen thousand gallons of fresh cider. Wow. Sweet cider. Okay, so I was envisioning, you know, something a little smaller than that. That's that's pretty impressive. So, um, oh no, no, <laughs> we, we we're pressing uh, probably three to five thousand gallons a week when we're pressing. Wow, what a trip! So that, yeah. So so, and having you on the show before, folks, if you know, uh, Von often talks about you have early, mid, and late season apples, and so even the early apples aren't quite ready yet, right, Von? Correct, correct. So you know, some of the earliest apples, of course. You know, our old varieties like sea cores and basically summer apples, some mm-hmm. of those varieties, which are really not in favor anymore, but are great cooking apples, but you have a heck of a hard time finding anybody that grows them anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you've got any of those old-fashioned uh, summer-type apples, those are ready, but when you start talking about more dessert apples, you know, they're just starting to get to the point where you know they might be getting okay like Zestar is one of the super earliest and maybe in about two weeks Zestars will be pretty good now three weeks you know at that long two weeks and then the three weeks we'll start to have galas and definitely at three weeks we'll have the earlier honey crisp so those are some of the earlier apples and we just recently this year planted um several more varieties of early apples ginger gold uh, we planted some more zestar wildfire galas and i will think of the fourth one here before long here but it's escaping me right now but we planted four new varieties of early apples that'll be ripe um right at that end of august early september period well, and uh, I'm curious, you know, in the past, uh, my Pat has told me that you um, uh, helped her when she was doing research on cider with UNL with the uh, Food Technology Department. Uh, do you recall this by chance? I do a little bit. I do a little bit. Cool. Well, I wanted to bring you down memory lane. She was doing research on, you know, does it, I think, what does it make a difference with the apple variety, right, as far as flavor goes? And, right. And, right. Uh, and I think you guys found out some things. Um, if I remember right, oh, Pat's like, call in if you want. But uh, Red Delicious was like, no, no, not messing with that. So I'm curious, did, did anything that she'd learned with that research help you in deciding what apples you're going to do for like either a hard cider or just a regular sweet cider pressing? Well, you know, to tell you the truth, Bob, um, to, to take a little lesson away from the uh, Nebraska wine industry in its infancy and, and, you know, the Nebraska wine industry has been going now for 25 to almost 30 years now. And mm-hmm. when that industry first started, it didn't take long for everybody to remember or realize that sweet wines was what's going to sell. Mm. And, um, and so 
Um, that's changed as people have, you know, gotten more acquainted with Nebraska wines and it's not so much the sweets anymore, but we have the same situation in, in hard cider uh-huh. in that, uh, people are drawn towards the sweet cider. We don't have sweet hard ciders. We don't have that developed palate yet. We don't have that palate that people like flat ciders necessarily. That take you know, it takes some getting used to and, and becoming, you know, kind of a, uh, uh, drawn to ciders. So for us right now, um, using our dessert apples with some of our hard cider varieties to get, you know, some of the, 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 uh, tarts and bitters in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're using mostly dessert apples, but then backfilling with things like, uh, Franklin cider apples, uh, Gold Rush, which is a rather new variety that's really, really good in the in hard ciders, and just uh, backfilling with some of these older varieties. We got about twenty-five different uh, heirloom type of cider apples in a smaller orchard, which we are getting ready to expand. I actually put an order in for six thousand rootstock, and then um, five different heirloom varieties of cider apples being grafted on those for the 2024 growing season. Cool. So we're gearing towards planting more hard cider varieties at this point. Yeah, and I imagine that's kind of a trend nationwide, right? I mean, these, I, I don't know, you've probably seen, I, I've seen it come across on social media, some dude, I can't remember what state, North Carolina or something, is his, his mission to preserve some of these heirloom varieties that have been lost, basically. And I, I suppose there are some out there, Vaughn, correct me if I'm wrong, that have just been lost forever, never be brought back. Yeah, I'm sure there are. But you know what's amazing, Bob, is is there's a couple folks out there that are doing that, you know, combing, you know, old farmsteads, mm-hmm. and combing the, uh, the pastures of Pennsylvania and New York where, you know, there's been, you know, Johnny Appleseed years and years ago, <laughs> you know, uh, hundreds of years ago. And uh-huh. they're still coming up with varieties that, you know, they thought were lost, you know, and, and, uh, or rediscovering, you know, completely, uh-huh. uh, which is really, really exciting. And, and, you know, that's quite the process. That's going through DNA analysis and the whole bit. Wow. So it's pure science. Dang. But it's happening out there. No kidding. And, and I, I'm glad you said that with the DNA uh, because I'm like, oh, well, how would they know it was that variety? And, you know, like you said, uh, Pennsylvania, the, the East Coast, you know, has that, all that history. I don't know how familiar you are with, um, oh, Pooh, I got to think of the name. It's out there. Um, oh, it's a research station out in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, that they oh, turned. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When I used to work at Kimmel, they came out a couple times and, and uh, checked some of the stuff that we had going there. Yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with those guys. Can't yeah. pull the name out. Yeah, the name it is exactly who right. The about. name's stuck back in that file somewhere in my brain. Maybe it'll come to me. But anyway, they it was kind of a plant material center where, you know, the, it was put there in the high plains to kind of obviously test trees, uh, apple trees specifically, but a lot of other things. Uh, what's going to grow out here in the Nebraska panhandle and eastern Wyoming, right? And uh, north I suppose north uh, eastern Colorado and those areas right where it's tough country to grow an apple it seemed to tough me country. right it seemed to me they had I can't remember what I read like 19,000 apple trees on the property back in the day and they bulldozed yeah. and they they decided on a new direction 
uh, with that uh, facility uh, with more, you know, grassland type research and whatnot for grazing and blah, blah, blah. And they, so they basically bulldozed all those trees under except for a few remaining. And uh, and that that's what happened all over the place, right, I'm assuming? Right, right. That's exactly correct, and that's it's pretty tragic, actually, when you when you think about it. Um, yeah, some of those, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they've preserved them, and they have Zion wood and all that good stuff, uh, you know, all that genetics somewhere. Um, so, so I'm pretty confident that they saved the genetics, but it's sad to see a huge planting like that disappear. Yeah, because I remember when we went out there. Well, it's been a long time ago, probably 15 years ago, but. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, we were interested in what was making it out there with no human help. You know, it didn't have any irrigation, nothing for like 50-some years, right? So we wanted to see who the true survivors were. As in, we weren't as interested in the uh, the fruit trees being with the state with our breed, and we just wanted to know who's a tough bird for the panhandle for a shade tree, right? And so, Right, um, right. And some of them kind of opened your eyes, like, of all things, Ohio Buckeye and Yellow Buckeye. What? Go figure. <laughs> Out there in Cheyenne. It's 7,000 exactly. feet. What a trip. Yeah. Uh, yep. Delightful. When you look at it, you know, Nebraska has some of the harshest growing conditions that we could imagine, you know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Nebraska is a very unique state in that we have, like, seven different ecosystems that meet in the state of Nebraska. Um, which is a phenomenal situation. Yeah, so exactly. You've got, right. You've got a little bit for everybody. Yeah, and uh, the, the Niobrara River, um, you know, everybody kind of, you can kind of, yeah, you're talking about statewide from east to west, north to south, but shoot, you can even throw that into one little river valley, right? And you see four different right, biomes exactly. show up there. and Yeah, no doubt. Uh, that That is unique. And, it, and another unique thing I'll tell you and listeners is that uh, I didn't realize this, but uh, species, tree species throughout the United States, um, more species meet the limit of their natural range in Nebraska than any other state. So that makes sense when you talk about seven different biomes, right, or seven different types right, of right. Uh, growing conditions. Right. So, so in other words, folks, we have tree species that are common, in, uh, more common in the Rocky Mountains and whatnot that that uh, meet the limits of their their range in, in western Nebraska, the Panhandle, the, the Niobrara Valley, like the Ponderosa Pines, a good example there. Then you got the east. Aspens. Yeah, Aspens, exactly, up north along the Niobrara. Yeah, and then you've got, you know, your eastern deciduous forest, you know, the Oak Hickory Forest of out east that kind of stop at the uh, far southeastern corner of the state and uh, and follow the river valleys until Prairie says we rule. And, uh, yeah, and so it's pretty cool. Um, and, and at least 30 species is what I've read uh, meet uh, their, their range limit in Nebraska. No other state can claim that. So there you go. Pretty amazing. We can hang our hat on that, people. We can grow trees in Nebraska. Well, anyway, uh, uh, Pat's working, so she couldn't call in, but she said I should get some hard cider. No doubt, John. I'll, I will be getting some hard cider from Vaughn. No doubt about it. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll be doing that. But I don't know if I want to make the trip with your busy season coming up, Vaughn. I don't know. For those of us that want to avoid the big crowds at Valas um, starting off this fall, but yet want to see the joint and come, is there a time <laughs> you can say to us uh, to kind of avoid all those, all that humanity? Is there a better time to come? You know, Monday through Thursday. Okay. 
those are great times. We're open seven days a week, but you know, those that Monday through Thursday, we get a lot of that's, I don't want to say casual time, but that's when we get a <laughs> lot of moms out here with their kids and strollers and oh, uh-huh. not, you know, the chaos of Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. Gotcha. So that Monday through Thursday is a, is a real good time to visit Valor's. Cool, cool. And uh, do you guys do any sort of, uh, like you said, you're going to have pumpkins. What are, what are the crops can you tell us about uh, that you've uh, either getting going or will be ready for, for folks this fall? Well, uh, the pumpkins, of course, and then uh, we do table squash with that and ornamental gourds and whatnot. Cool. Um, and then we will, um, our apples, of course, we've got 40 acres of of high density trellis trees so about oh right around 40,000 trees so the apples of course and they'll be you know producing right up till frost we've got tons and tons and tons so you know that hard freeze we'll be scrambling picking apples off the trees to get them into the pressing rooms but we'll have plenty of those and then um sunflowers and zinnias and different cut flowers we're also oh, yeah. uh, dealing with that and we're kind of you know this is a tough year you know we just sat down and figured out uh we got 1.6 inches of rain in the month of july um with one inch coming on the first or second of july right Mm. after we got pumpkins planted which was very very timely for that Mm -hmm. but since then until we got a freak rain shower on monday we got 70 hundreds but between July 1st and that rain of 70 hundreds on Monday, we'd only had 0.6 mm. inches of rain, and a lot of those were, uh, you know, five hundredths of an inch, so pretty uh, inconsequential as far as production goes. So yeah, it's no been doubt. a dry year, so most of our cut flowers are, are dry land, so to speak, and so we've been trying to figure out ways to get water to those, and, and we'll have plenty of cut flowers. It's just a it's not going to be uh, the vista of flowers that we've had in the past just simply because it's so tremendously dry. Mm. That 70 hundreds that we got on Monday was like you couldn't even tell by 9 o'clock in the morning. Wow. So um, oh boy, we're all at a real deficit at this point. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But I always like to say, oh, it could be worse, right? It could be worse. And Absolutely. It could be, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. We'll, it could we'll, be way worse. Yeah. And let's just hope it doesn't get way worse, people. We're, we're going to exactly. count on it. We're going to count on a break in this weather. Well, uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we're going to have tons and tons and literally tons and tons and tons of pumpkins and literally tons and tons of apples. So they, it's actually a tremendous apple crop. So, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah. I was going to ask you that if, it, if you put this down as a, an awesome year, you know, cause we did have some variable weather in the spring, you know, some, you know, borderline late freeze that would have got the flowers. But I think the timing worked out with apples and, and other crops too, right? Uh, like, like yeah, peaches, for example. For us. I don't know for everybody, but, um, really I cannot complain one bit other than the lack of natural moisture about the weather this year. Although the heat, the heat has, you know, when apples size up, they size up in July, um, meaning that that's when they get their, the bulk of their size, mm-hmm. July and early August. And um, this year with all the heat during that period of time, you know, once it hits 90 degrees, 
plant material tends to slow down and shut down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that sizing hasn't necessarily... It's not to say that we're not going to have decent-sized apples. Don't get me wrong. Right. But it's it, there, there's not going to be, you know, the super large apples that we sometimes get. They're, they're perfectly acceptable apples. It's just with the heat, the heat just does not allow the, the tree itself, even if you're pumping water to it, to to assimilate it and you know, transfer it into sizing. Yeah, that makes sense. And now, though, even though the size might be a little smaller, like you said, uh, don't get me wrong, they're still sizable apples. Does that concentrate the flavors more then because of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So your flavors are very intense. So it should be a fantastic year this year. Mm. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to my favorite apple, which... Generally, when people ask me what my favorite apple is, I respond to sold apple. But when it comes to varieties, my favorite is a Pixie Crunch, which is ripens oh about the second week of September, and it's a relatively small apple. Also, it could almost be considered a large crab apple mm. for size. But I'm looking forward this year to the intensity of the flavor because uh, because of the weather conditions that, that I think they're really going to be fantastic this year. Too cool. That's a that's a name I hadn't heard before. Pixie Crunch. That sounds like Pixie it would Crunch. Check it out. Check it out. That sounds like something that would make a great wine. Can I use Pixie Crunch for wine? Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Which brings me to okay. So you guys have cider, uh, hard and hard and sweet yep. cider. But do you do you also offer sell apples as well? sell apples oh yeah. yeah absolutely so we have you pick so okay. so uh, we do go out and pick apples that are also for sale at the uh when you leave the farm uh you can pick up a, a 10 pound or 15 pound bag of apples five pounds whatever you want cool. but then primarily for our guests it's it's taking the hay rack out to the orchard and and picking apples you pick apples themselves which is always a lot of fun and and we have school groups that come, so uh, and homeschool groups. So I ride the hay rack out with them and give them a little educational speak and teach them a little bit about pollination and teach them a little bit about fruiting and you know fact that there's you know somewhere around forty five hundred different types of apples worldwide and wow. all those fun little facts and and they go out and they pick their apples and and uh, have a good time and. It's amazing how many people come out on a regular basis just to pick apples weekly, just to pick apples. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that is a lot of fun, and that's cool that you offer that. And, and uh, man, uh, whoever gets on the, the tail end of that uh, homemade apple pie, mm-mm-mm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You, you got me thinking apples now, Vaughn. Good work. So in other words, if we plan a trip out there, we can do you pick with that little pixie crunch. Absolutely, you can. Cool. You can. Okay. Bucket list. And I never tell everybody about all of them. So whenever you come, Bob, I'm telling you they'd be Pixie Crunch here. And the secret is if you can let them hang till the end of October, they are over the top delicious. Oh, my word. So I always keep about 20 trees down at the farthest end that that we keep kind of kind of hidden there and mm-hmm. not that we don't want people we'd be thrilled if people pick them but they're a little far away so we always know that people are not that 
I don't want to say people are lazy, but <laughs> they don't like to walk that far to get apples. So we always have our favorite little little patch of pixie crunch that we can get some. Well, I think we're going to have to be hitting you up for those there, kid. And uh, do we just say that over the air? Wait, sh this is a secret. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, well, right. there's not many... There's not many real secrets out there, Bob. <laughs> I hear you. Well, I, that sounds great, and uh, uh, we're definitely going to be putting it on our bucket list to come out and visit you this fall. And, uh, you know, and it sounds like uh, it'll still be uh, uh, Halloween season, but uh, when would you say you're busy? You know, I know you guys are busy throughout September. Is it that week of Halloween, before Halloween, that you're, would you say is no, your busiest? No, actually, it is the week in October that the the 20th kind of whatever that weekend is whether it's the 22nd or 21st or 24th uh -huh. that weekend tends to be the uh yeah the big, the big one yes yeah the big one yes. yeah yeah yeah, yeah that makes on, sense here we go right here we go it's gonna be a heck of a ride well, yep, exactly. Too cool. Exactly. And, and Vaughn, I, just before we go, I'm almost out of time here, but uh, peaches, uh, man, it seems like a good crop for peaches, and I know you're a big peach fan. Did you have a good peach crop? Yeah, but the only problem with peaches this year is we just haven't had the moisture to size them up. Uh, uh -huh. Unless you really thinned quite aggressively this year, there's just not that moisture in the ground to, mm -hmm. to pump those babies up. Little two so, inch, little two or three inch great, peach, <laughs> but they're just a little bit tiny this year for my liking. Right, right, yeah. But and I've delicious. seen that. I've seen that too. Where heavy, a heavy crop, and then ended up busting the branches on these people. That you know they should have thinned them, and uh, yeah, it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and you know peaches are prone to bores, and it doesn't take much bore damage to weaken a, a branch. Uh huh. And you get a, even a little excess fruit on it, and they'll break right out. And that's why commercially a peach tree is only viable for about eight years. And that's something. See? Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. So one more thing, Bob, before mm -hmm. we uh, call it a, a show here. Uh, we have the honor this year of being Backyard Farmers uh, live opening Day oh, cool. Live opening show. Really? Um, and that's coming um, sometime towards the end of August. So if you have any backyard farmers out there, fans out there, be on the lookout. We'll be having the filming here at Dallas Pumpkin Patch and Apple Orchard. So we're really looking forward to that. And last week, last Monday, I believe, um, had Hannah come out from NETV and we did a little one-on-one, um, -on -one, actually two-on-one, -on -one. my landscape manager that, uh, that I work with out here. We talked about all the flowers and plants that we plant out here. So cool. we planted about 18,000 annual plugs and another 18,000 mum plugs throughout the property. So um, that was a lot of fun speaking with those folks. So. Yeah, no doubt. So we can be looking forward to that coming out on NET? Yes, yes, sir. Awesome, awesome. And I imagine they'll wait and show that sometime in September, right? Just keep your ears, ears peeled. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, what they're going to do exactly as far as, as um, when it's going to air. Okay. But I know they're filming uh, the 20-something of August. Cool, cool. Good stuff. All right, Vaughn. Well, thank you so much and uh, appreciate all your hard work and the good stuff you do there for Vallis Pumpkin Patch and Apple Orchard. You keep up the great work and uh, look forward to having you on the show again. Okay, kiddo? Absolutely. And who knows, maybe one of these days you'll get a bag of Pixie Crunch on your desk. Amen, brother. <laughs> all right. Take care, Vaughn. Okay. Thanks, Bob. We'll all talk right. to you later. All right. Bye-bye.
Bye-bye. All right, folks. That is Vaughn Hammond from Vallis Pumpkin Patch and Apple Orchard. Great conversation with Vaughn. i got to head on out of here. I'm out of time. I'll see you same time, same place next week right here on How's It Growing. You have a great week. Adios.